first reading is taken from Paul's letters to the Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 3 to 10. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head even Christ. The second reading is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, Don't announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of the Lord. First of all, I want to say thank you to uh, Andrew for inviting me to share from God's word to participate with you uh, uh, in uh, this uh, act of uh, service uh, to the Lord. And uh, I'm delighted that there are some in the congregation with whom we've shared our lives uh, over the years. And, uh, and thank you, Joel, for uh, sacrificing uh, in this cold. Uh, I hope you appreciate I'm also sacrificing. <laughs> uh, given this cold, my goodness, God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I'll go back as soon as I can. (laughs) Um, I'd like to focus uh, our reflections uh, this morning around three themes, and they are all big themes, so you can expect that I won't do justice to any of them. I hope I can give some uh, insights and thoughts that can lead you on as you reflect deeper and further on these themes. And And it's the whole aspect of purpose, Purpose, mission, justice. This is a a week of uh, emphasizing on the world mission uh, that you have in this church. So uh, the one thought is around thoughts around purpose, around mission, around justice. Um, Now, for an African preaching in an English congregation is 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 quite a trial actually, (laughs) (laughs) because you are wonderful. Please don't get me wrong. Uh, so can I give you an opportunity to talk to each other? Talk to your neighbor, purpose. Just say purpose to them. Purpose. 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 Is that okay? <laughs> now, some of you are unwilling to do that. Please talk to your neighbor. Say purpose. 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 Uh, and then purpose. the second one is mission. 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 And, and justice. 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 Is that okay? <laughs> Uh, this is not Sunday school, definitely it isn't, but uh, uh, you see in uh, our audiences, there's a lot of back and forth response, and uh, uh, it's great. But it's wonderful also to be in a much quieter, calm, and you know, uh, reserved, and so on. But you know, I have changed my mind about you, because when you are watching football and rugby, you are unbelievable. <laughs> so I think there's something untrue about uh, your reserve, but let's not go that, that far. Um, this whole thing about purpose is, is central to who we are, who we are becoming. And we pray a lot, don't we? And you know, it's very interesting. If you want to get a sense of any of us, Believers who seek the Lord, who, who want to know God's will. Listen to me or listen to her, him, when they pray. You get a sense. Listen to the passion or lack of it when they pray. Uh, listen 
to the content of their prayers. Uh, hear the concerns they bring to God. You'll get a glimpse of what they are, the idea of purpose, what they are about uh, in the world. That is true about a church. Go to the prayer meetings. If you want to get the heartbeat of a church, go to their prayer meetings. Uh, listen to them how they pray. Uh, certainly, uh, being here, uh, I am walking away with a sense of uh, St. Andrews. Please don't ask me. Uh, but yes, a service like this reflects, says something to you about how a community thinks of themselves, why they exist where they are. Prayer has a way in which it gives us uh, insights into who we are, what we purpose to be. And, and Jesus seems to say the same thing in the passage that was read for us. You want to know hypocrites? Listen to them pray. How do hypocrites pray? By the way, they pray. In fact, in that verse 5 uh, in the gospel according to St. Matthew, if you turn there, verse 5, he says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray. Wow. They love to pray. But for what reason? For sure. In fact, when they pray, they stand in the synagogues, they stand on the streets. Why? Showbiz. They just want to be seen. And Jesus says, truly, they have received their reward. In fact, later, this whole thing about hypocrites is, is big. It's big. Uh, and Jesus is concerned for the ways in which uh, uh, Jewish religion was practiced. Later, he says, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites. The hypocrites fast. This is surprising. They actually fast. For what? For sure. For sure. What else is very interesting is you want to know pagans? Check how they pray. Pagans pray. Did you get me? Pagans actually pray. So when a church says we pray, that's not anything to say about its spiritual life. Absolutely. Because pagans as well pray. Hypocrites pray. But it's the content. It's how they pray the passion. Jesus says pagans love many words. They bubble. They have this idea that you can cajole God into action by the numbers of words that you use. They bubble like pagans. They think they will be heard because of their many words. And sometimes I actually think, please forgive me, we are more like pagans. We use so many words in prayer. You, 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 you. <laughs> Too many words. As though to think. So purpose, purpose, prayer. And it's in turning to that prayer that Jesus uh, taught his disciples, we get a sense of God's purpose. God's purpose for us, God's purpose for his world, God's purpose for the community of disciples, his believers, his followers, purpose. And you get that sense as Jesus teaches them how to pray. In the Luke version, uh, chapter 6, where it is, uh, chapter 11, it's in the context of Lord teach us how to pray. The disciples ask him how to pray. Uh, in Matthew, it is within uh, the uh, Sermon on the Mount, uh, which I'm sure you know, and it is sandwiched there in this whole uh, purpose thing about prayer. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The first thing, Jesus says, that should be the focus of our prayers, of our attention, is 
Father, hallowed be your name. Your name, God's name, God's glory, God's authority, that it may be hallowed, it may be honored, he may be glorified. Your kingdom come, your kingdom, your reign, your sovereignty, your will be done. Wow. Jesus says the preoccupation of a disciple is God's name, God's kingdom, God's will. That is to suggest that you and I must be about God's name, God's kingdom, God's will. That is what Jesus was about. Of course, later you read, give us today, forgive us our debts, lead us not in temptation. That focus on us, us. And where is the appeal? Again, it is from God. This sense of God, we depend on you. It is all over to you, O oh God. Purpose. His name, his kingdom, his will. Clearly, this is what Jesus was about. Jesus was about his name, his kingdom, his will. Jesus preached the kingdom. Jesus lived the kingdom. Jesus demonstrated the kingdom. The kingdom of God was not just his message. Jesus was its message. In him, in Jesus, God's rule, God's reign, God's dominion, God's authority was present on earth in a new way. Origen put it beautifully, one of the church fathers, he said, he wrote, Jesus is the autobasilia, the kingdom of God in person, embodied within him. Indeed, as uh, theologian Haroes has said, there is no way to know the kingdom of God except by learning of the story of this man. For his story defines the nature of how God rules how such a rule creates a corresponding world and society. Jesus, the embodiment of God's purpose, of God's will, of God's name. Paul grasped this in the passage that was read for us. God's purpose. Ephesians chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul wrote who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him, what purpose? To be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. God's things do not just happen. They fit into his grand design, his purpose, his pleasure, his will, the praise of his glorious grace, which he has given to us in the one he loves, in Jesus, that what God has done in Christ what he purposed for us is all in Christ, but it is for his glory. It is for his will. He has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, according to his purpose, which he purposed in Christ. Paul gets it. 
to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment. What is this purpose? I love this statement. To bring all things in heaven and on earth under one head, even Christ. God's purpose, to bring all things in heaven. In other words, in the entire cosmos, the created order, and indeed on the earth where you and I live, God's purpose is to bring all that under the one head, even Christ. Hallelujah. That's God's purpose. That's why Paul continually says, for God's glory, for God's will. And you and I, in him, we were also chosen, having been predestined to, according to his plan, according to his purpose, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Do you get it? God has a purpose. God has a plan. What is it? To draw all things, all things on earth, in heaven, created all things under the one head Christ. And you and I have been drawn into that story, into that grand scheme. Friends, that is the gospel. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, hallowed be your name, glory, honor to God, his purpose, his will to draw everything under Christ. That is the message of the kingdom. That is what Christ embodied. The point is this, the gospel is not just about salvation. To focus the gospel simply on salvation is heresy. The gospel is more. The gospel is about God. It's about Christ. It's about drawing everything under his name, under his authority. The kingdom of God. God's praise. God's glory. Bringing all things in heaven and on earth under the one head, even Christ. Let's try and understand what this means as we go back to that prayer that Jesus taught us. To focus our own purpose, to be aligned with God's purpose. For you see, brothers and sisters, that surely must be the substance of our mission in the world, God's purpose. And so we go back to that prayer. When we pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. I only have time to focus on those three. Your name be honored. Your name be held holy. May your name be glorified. A preoccupation with God's authority, God's name, God's glory. Brothers and sisters, you and I, that's what we ought to be about. That's why we cry out when we pray daily. Hallowed be your name. May the whole world glorify you. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom. Your kingdom. Kingdom has on the one hand to do with God's sovereignty. God is the sovereign. God rules by right. For in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything that is, everything we see, we do not see, everything God has right. 
the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof it. Your kingdom come. May your authority that is yours by right be visible here on earth. Your rule, your reign, O God, your kingdom come. This theme about kingdom is very significant. So significant that it really should shape this whole idea of purpose and indeed mission. Jesus said, speaking to his disciples later in uh, chapter 6, talking about anxiety, you know, verses 25 following, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink. You know how it is we get preoccupied with our lives, what we shall eat, what we shall drink, what we shall put on. You know how it is you can be really preoccupied with acquisition, acquiring things, acquiring stuff. And bless you, uh, Western culture is a lot about acquisition, isn't it? You know, more of everything, more and more. And Jesus says, why are you preoccupied? Why make this the entire purpose of your life? Look at the birds of the air. They don't do as much as you do, but they have plenty to eat. Look at the ladies of the field. They are well dressed. Excuse me. When you make the purpose of your life simply to acquire, you are actually worse off than birds. You are actually worse off than flowers. Jesus says, no, it's not for food and drink that you and I have been made. Verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God. God's kingdom must be your passion. Any church worth its name must focus its energies, attention, God's kingdom. Your kingdom come, O Lord. What's this kingdom? It's very interesting. You go to the passage in uh, Romans chapter 14 that where Paul has this amazing discourse with uh, the believers in, uh, in Rome. And they too, very much like what Jesus says, they are actually discussing food and drink. So we are not the first to be preoccupied with these uh, very menial things. And Paul says, look, the kingdom of God, verse 17, is not about food and drink. What is it about? And this is really the punchline. What is it about? Verse 17, the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. There is a very simple definition of what the values of the kingdom are all about. What is this idea? When God rules, when God reigns, when we cry, Lord, your kingdom come, what are we praying about? We are saying, Lord, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what we too should be about. Righteousness. That word righteousness Rightly translated, I think within the French versions, justice, justice, absolutely right on. In fact, part of the problem with the English translation righteousness is that often we focus on those spiritual elements of walking with God, you know, uh, nurturing your moral life and so on. That is true, but it is much more. For you see, righteousness, if you look at the scriptures, is first and foremost, of course, about the relationship with God. 
But as scripture is very consistent, a right relationship with God leads automatically to a right relationship. In fact, remember this very devout man who comes to Jesus. He says to him, what's the biggest, greatest commandment? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind, and on. And then what? Love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love God, John writes, that you don't know, you don't see, not you don't know. You can't love God you do not see. If you can't claim you love God you do not see if you don't love your neighbor who you see. A right relationship with God leads to a right relationship. What should characterize that relationship? It's justice, justice, equity. It's to do with the fact that God created all of us, in his image. There is anthropology that informed the Middle Ages and some of the missionary movement in the rest of the world that came from here that had this gradation of human beings. I think it must be the Chinese were on top and then the whites on the next and then uh, the Indians and then I think the blacks were at the bottom. No! The biblical idea of being human is all of us created in the image of God. All of us. We all have human dignity. Why? Because it's a gift from God. Justice. Dignity. Anything, therefore, that takes away the dignity of being human must be abhorred. You and I must hate it. Justice. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Justice, Lord, on earth, in Oxford, in Kampala, in the United Kingdom, here on earth, as it is in heaven. That is our cry. That is what we must be about. That must define what our mission is about. How did we get it wrong to think that justice is social gospel? Where did we get it from? The Bible is clear. God is passionate for justice. Read Isaiah 58. God is angry. God says, I am sick and tired of your prayers. Why? You have no heart for justice. And I wonder whether God is not sick and tired of a religion of Christianity that has absolutely no heart for justice. Dignity of all people. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, justice. So when you and I pray, your kingdom come, O Lord, we pray justice, O Lord. Justice. What you are praying is that St. Andrews will be a community of justice. A community that seeks to see equity. Did you notice in that prayer, Jesus teaches us when we ask, how do we ask? Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us. Us. Give us. Not give me which is often the preoccupation of Western culture, me and myself, I call it the Trinity I, me, myself, and I. 
a preoccupation. No, this is about us, my dear friends. It's that we all must have access to this table. And isn't that why the vision of consummation is a great vision? For we shall all sit at the same table. But before then, you and I must work to sit on the same table. Blacks and whites. So we must, Christian people, we must be angry at a world economic order in which the rich are taking from the poor. It is true, Western economies are built, are built on the continual deprivation of those from the poorest nations. It is true, for the net outflow of resources are not to the south. It is to the north. It is true. I can give you the statistics. The oil companies, the multinationals. But brothers and sisters, this is not a blame game of the west or the south. You and I are kingdom people who speak, who must act justice. The second word, peace. Peace. Righteousness, peace. Doesn't that remind you of Jesus' words? Blessed are the peacemakers. This word peace, shalom, well-being, reconciliation, the theme that appears in Paul's uh, epistles, reconciliation. Blessed are the peacemakers. Not, by the way, blessed are the peace lovers. Christians, we love peace. No, it's not blessed are the peace lovers. It's not even blessed are the peacekeepers. There are very many in Congo and all over in Africa. No, it's blessed are the peacemakers. We live in a world in which nations are building barriers. Nations are building immigration laws that keep people out. Christian people, we should be at the forefront of fighting against immigration laws that keep people out. There is not one people group that own any piece of property here on earth. We are all squatters on God's land. Open the spaces. Blessed are the peace. Makers, those who don't build barriers, but those who build bridges. And friends, how desperate our world is to build bridges between Christians and Muslims. How desperate in a world in which the West and all these declare war on particular groups of people. You and I declare peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. Will St. Andrews be a church that builds bridges in Oxford? Do you have a ministry that seeks to simply listen to people who are unlike you, building bridges rather than building barriers? Joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy. We, of course, don't have time to expand a bit more on joy. Joy. What is this joy? What is it about? It is in the Holy Spirit. Do you understand? This joy in the Holy Spirit reconnects with the dignity in Genesis. Dignity. God's image. Totally restored by the Holy Spirit. That is to say to you, joy. Now, if you go to Genesis, human dignity is about choice. Human dignity is about work. Human dignity is about community. Joy. 
Let me be very clear, being in that prison with those young people, I realize how one of the things against the young people in my country, unemployment, we have an unemployment rate of 83% among our young people. There can't be joy when there is no work. Joy. But it's joy in the Holy Spirit. Why the Holy Spirit? Because you see, it is only in the name of Christ, only that name, Jesus, enables us access into that Holy of Holies, into the dignity that only the Holy Spirit restores. So there is here, no doubt, the joy of salvation, the joy that comes from the proclamation of the name, the name above every name. Do you understand? Justice, peace, and joy. Where did we ever get this idea of evangelism, social responsibility? This is a priority, this is this, this follows this. Where did we get it from? The Bible is clear. It's about the kingdom of God. Justice, joy, and peace. All together, that is God's will. That is God's purpose. That is what you and I must be about. That's what I must be about as a bishop. That's what you must be about as an individual. Justice, peace, and joy. That defines what Christian mission is about. That defines what your life must be about. Not acquisition, but justice, peace, and joy. And so when you and I pray, your kingdom come, we pray, justice, Peace and joy, Lord, on earth, in Oxford, in the United Kingdom, in our world that has a rhythm of injustice. Lord, may you bring about a rhythm. May you reverse the unjust social order. And that means you give your life for it. For you see, to give your life to anything other than this vision of God's will, of God's purpose, is to waste the entirety of your life. That's what mission must be about. That's what this church needs to be about. I challenge you. I encourage you. Examine who you are as a church, as an individual. Does it reflect this wonderful spectrum of justice, of peace, and of joy? Is that what mission is about for you. Let us pray. It's possible that there are neighbors that are just unlike you. It's possible that you simply have not shown any concern for the things that God is concerned about in your life. The people on the margins of society here, and maybe for some of you, it's to be able to inform yourself about the injustices around this country, the injustices certainly in our world for some of you. For me, in Kampala, it's the injustices against our children, our young people, our women, Maybe for some of you, God is calling you to give your life, maybe to work for one aspect of these people groups, justice, 
that they may experience the shalom, that peace. And please remember, you and I have no other story to tell, for it's only the story of Jesus, the gospel, Jesus, the embodiment of the kingdom who brings joy in the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us. Help us to be true to this vision. Help us to be true to this purpose that you set before us. And forgive us, Lord. Help me, O Lord. Amen.